The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. And this is the Hard Shoulder. Kieran Cuddy with you until seven o'clock this evening. We're going to be speaking to the Green Party leader Eamon Ryan a little bit later in the show. We're going to speak to different interest groups again about how this budget budget impacts them and their members. Earlier in the show, we spoke to the Restaurants Association, the Licensed Vintners Association. We spoke to Sherry Fitzgerald, the Children's Rights Alliance and much more besides. Joining me now is the Minister for Public Expenditure and Reform, Pascal Donoghue, Finnegale TD. Minister, you are very welcome uh, to the show and thank you for taking the time uh, today for us. What is it that uh, you and your Cabinet colleagues were hoping to achieve in today's budget and in what ways do you think you have achieved it? Uh, so we would have identified three priorities, Kieran. Uh, the first one is uh, how can we help our society, families, households at a time in which uh, the cost of living is uh, such a challenge for so many and how we can put money back in their pockets. Uh, and I believe we have achieved that by the measures that we have brought forward, uh, the, uh, the additional one-off payments towards the end of this year and early next year, uh, and also the changes in personal taxation. Uh, Secondly, uh, how we can continue to make progress into delivery of more homes Uh, and uh, I believe in the housing budget that we agreed with Minister O'Brien, there are measures there that will lead to even more homes being built next year Uh, and then finally the decisions that we've made to continue to run a budget surplus and make better use of that budget surplus in the future is just essential for how we can keep our country safe in a world that's so volatile at the moment. Um, On the housing aspect of the budget. What measures will help to deliver more new homes? Uh, So the funding that we have provided to organisations such as the Housing Finance uh, Agency and organisations like the Land Development Agency. Budget 2024 means that for next year uh, the state will directly or indirectly be providing €5 billion of the country's money to help either directly build homes or support the private sector in doing it. Uh, It's one of the reasons why I'm very confident now we'll meet our housing target for this year and I'm very confident that for next year will do even better and be able to build on the 400 people every week that are now buying their own home directly. And when you say do better, do you mean the targets as set out in the Housing for All plan or building on those targets? Because there seems to be kind of consensus across the board, even from some within government, that those targets are not what they should be. Uh, Well, we've always acknowledged uh, that we want to build even more homes that are laid out in the target for Housing for All But we have to be realistic in recognising that our construction sector will close down during the pandemic uh, and at a time of full employment, uh, getting more people to do more work in Ireland is more difficult than it ever has been. And so that has been a challenge. So we've always acknowledged that if there's an opportunity to raise the target, we would look at that. For me, I'd probably only consider uh, if we should revise our housing target for 2024 once we're exactly clear on how many homes we're going to build in 2023. And obviously, it'll take a few more months Mm. for that to be clear, Kieran. So so, so just to be clear, we, we are still chasing those original targets in Housing for All. The measures today are not about increasing targets. Uh, well, the impact of They're the measures today. Them. Well, the impact of the measures today will now mean we would at least hit them, uh, and uh, but at least hitting them 
the government would always want to look at how we could do even better. Uh, you're, you're aware, Kieran, of all of the different analyses, including some from government, that point to the fact that because our population is growing, because of the age of our population, and because of the impact of the global financial crisis, we need to be building 40 to 50,000 homes per year. And we want to get to that point, but we want to do that without mistaking the repeat, without repeating, excuse me, the mistakes of the past in getting there. Um, I know, and, and again, to stick with housing for just a moment, I know Pierce Doherty stood up when you sat down uh, to suggest this wasn't a renter's budget, it was a landlord's budget. And there is a tax relief for landlords. We spoke to Marion Finnegan, Managing Director at Cherry Fitzgerald, who welcomed that tax relief in terms of its structure, but her criticism was actually that it, it won't go far enough. It, it won't prevent landlords leaving the market. So let's look at the allegation that was made regarding uh, parity or uh, be, and the comparison that was made between the landlord credit and the tenant credit. The tenant credit for next year of €750 Euro will cost, uh, uh, will involve use of €300 million Euro of the country's money. The landlord credit is 112 million euro. Uh, so let's just re- really make the acknowledge that actually what we are doing from a tenant perspective is many multiples of where we are with the measure with regard to landlords. And then with the criticism of the measure we've brought to landlords, uh, what we've done there in providing uh, an income disregard if a landlord will stay in the rental sector over a number of years. Mm. Of course, I know there'll always be criticism that it should be bigger and there should be more support available. But it's like that with every aspect of a budget, Kieran. Uh, whenever you bring forward a measure, understandably, those who are involved in the sector will always say it should be bigger. Mm. But what myself and Minister McGrath need to do is we need to make sure we can afford the entire package. And we've done that in the budget. Yeah, is there not a danger, though, you've exposed yourself to criticism that you are a party for landlords when you're not even doing enough for those landlords you seek to help? Uh, well, I guess the latter point would diffuse the first, uh, in the sense that the measure that we are bringing forward uh, is a new measure, and the value of it is still lower than where we are with tenants. But behind all that, and this is a critique you hear from Sinn Féin often, they, their view is anything that we do to, to help landlords is automatically a, a bad thing. We want a bigger rental sector. How are we going to get to a bigger rental sector unless we stop landlords leaving and get more small landlords in the sector in the future? How can we provide more rental accommodation if we don't have more landlords who are willing to do mm. it? Well, I, I think the criticism from Marion is that, is that the measure you introduce won't achieve those aims. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, any measure still has to fit into where we are with the overall figures for the budget and our confidence that we can afford the budget, not just next year, but in the years after that. What can you tell me then on, in terms of those three priorities? So that's housing, um, uh, cost of living and changes around taxation and one-off measures we'll talk about in just a moment, but managing the budget surplus. So uh, uh, one of the ways in which this has been managed is the... Uh, uh, the establishment of the Future Ireland Fund and the Infrastructure, Climate and Nature Fund. Have we any more detail on, on, on what they are and how they might be used in the future? Yes, we do. And the detail in relation to that will be published in the Finance Bill from Minister McGrath next week. We have one fund which could be a very, very large fund. It could be tens of billions of euro uh, in a few years' time, which is all about how we can have a fund that will create the income that we will need to pay for the inescapable reality that Ireland will get older 
and as Ireland get, all gets older, the cost of providing our public services will go up. And it's an excellent use of the uh, surpluses that we now have, because it will ensure that as our society changes, the public services they have shouldn't. Uh, in relation then to uh, the other fund, that is all about then if we get into economic difficulty in the future, how we can avoid reducing capital investment. And it's so important for our economy that in the time ahead we're able to give confidence that the level of spend that we have in building more homes and improving our broadband, that it's going to stay at that level mm. and that we can insulate ourselves from the ups and downs of economic fortunes. Uh, the detail in all of that will be is all done and will be available in, in great detail next week. And, and I think lots of people will welcome the, the concept of future-proofing, which is what both of these things are about. There's an argument, though, that um, investing now in infrastructure is future-proofing in and of itself, because those projects will continue to benefit the economy sure. and society and people for years to come, and that we've got such acute infrastructural deficits already in different parts of the economy that you know, instead of funding a fund, we should be funding that directly. A very fair point. And uh, what I would point to then is the fact that we've already increased that capital investment. So in 2016, our capital investment in our economy was around 3.6 billion euro. Uh, because of the budget that we've brought forward today, for next year, it'll be around 12.8, uh, 12.9 billion euro. So we've, we've, we've over tripled uh, how much money we are spending in building uh, new homes, improving public transport. And we are at the point, Kieran, uh, where we have a level of unemployment that's so low in the country. If we were rapidly to increase public expenditure again, we could end up just making our inflationary problems mm. so much worse. Because the question we would face then from employers is where are they going to get the people to turn this extra money into more homes being built? Uh, and, and we need to just get that yeah. balance right, which we're trying to do. How... how real is the risk that you get the balance wrong. One of our contributors in the first hour, you know, when listing off the, the kind of the broad stroke value of the packages, we're talking about core tax and spending packages of 6.4 billion euro, 4 billion euro for Ukrainian refugees in the long tail of COVID, 2.7 billion euro in one-off cost of living measures. That, that the premise that all this is built on of inflation next year being down below 3% might not come to pass given the amount of money that's been pumped in directly and indirectly to the economy. Uh, so uh, the plan that we have brought forward, any time you spend uh, the money of the taxpayer in an economy that is already growing, there is always an inflationary risk. Mm. Uh, Kieran, I wouldn't be honest with you if I was to say that no such risk exists. Uh, uh, we're, our analysis would indicate that it would be around a quarter to maybe around half a point of potential inflation could be, be added because of the decisions that we've made. So that risk is there. But on the other hand, if you look at where we are with the money that we have to make available to those who are fleeing war all over the world, if we don't make that money available, those people who are coming here fleeing strife and conflict, so many of them could just end up homeless, not having accommodation. If you look at the increase that we have made in day-to-day -day current spending, at 6.1%, it really isn't that big an increase in government spending when you consider that inflation today is around 5%. So I believe we've got the balance right. It would be not honest to say there are no risks, but mm. equally in not acting in the way we have today, there would be big risks to that as well. 
Uh, lads, says Ted and Dungarvan, Brian Cowan could have given the same budget himself in 2006. It was neither here nor there and did nothing for housing and damaged the economy by adding costs in the long term. I think John Lee of the Daily Mail is with me in the first hour. Mightn't have put it the exact same way as Ted and Dungarvan, but he effectively said it was neither here nor there. A damp squib. Well, we went through a few years when budgets were explosive events in the run-up to the collapse of our economy, where budgets were brought forward that were met with instant acclaim. And we paid a really, really big price for that then for well over a decade. And because of that price, it contributed to the housing difficulties we now have and, for example, the infrastructural constraints that Mm -hmm. you identified there a moment ago. So what the point I would make to your listener is... I believe it's the right thing that we have budgets uh, that are are moderate, that we're confident that we can afford. And the day you bring forward a budget that everybody loves, that's instantly wildly popular, you're back on the path to a difficult place in which uh, uh, people will be hurt and we'll get back to days that we said we wanted to put behind us. Do you think we should get to a point in the future, when we talk about future-proofing, that that issues around uh, tax ban changes and welfare increases or decreases, that they are not a, a, a matter for kind of a one-day budgetary announcement every October, that they're index-linked, that you're no longer having to present them as kind of tax cuts or tax increases or no change being effective tax cuts, you essentially remove the politics from policy. No, I don't. Uh, Politics without policy uh, uh, or is a recipe for politics not meaning a whole lot. Policy without politics is a recipe for not being clear who makes the decisions. Uh, I can't think of a decision that's more worthy of a vote than deciding how billions of euro of the money that your listeners create is allocated. And uh, political decisions are the best way of holding those decisions to account. One of the most uh, acute criticisms we heard in the first hour was around the health budget and a description, and I know you won't describe it this way, but a broad description that effectively there's been no real change in the health budget. And given the acute problems people face in accessing healthcare in this country, uh, notwithstanding the amazing care that they get once they do access it, but the problem of access that you've done nothing for people in that regard. Uh, the health budget now stands at €22.5 billion. Euro. Uh, it has massively increased in recent years. That's the reason why we now have over 20,000 uh, more staff working in our hospitals than we did uh, before the pandemic. It's the reason why we now have 2,000 more hospital beds. Uh, all that being said, Kieran, I'm well aware of the issues and demands that so many face who go into our hospitals looking to get support and care from our amazing nurses and doctors. Uh, But the budget that we now have for the health service is really big in comparison to where it is at a national or a European level. uh, uh, They're getting enough money money to do a better job, effectively. Uh, I believe they are, but I also know 
that doing a better job in the health environment that we're in is a hard thing to do. Uh, anybody who goes into our hospitals, anybody who sees how, our, how hard our nurses and doctors work, uh, know that a lot of this work is difficult, and we know that the cost of providing medical care is, uh, has gone up. Uh, so while I believe uh, that we will and can do a better job and support our hospitals in doing this, I also know this is difficult work, and mm. we're going to have to continue to support uh, our health professionals in the work they do. So, so is this a case of you saying, listen, the ball is now in your court. We think we are now at the point where we are giving you enough money to deliver a first class, world class health system, you've got to make changes within that budget to deliver it. No, I wouldn't believe that would be fair to those who are working in our health services, uh, to be honest, Kieran. Uh, I, well, I what about people me, running those health services? Maybe that's who, uh, maybe that's who the message is to. Uh, e- equally, uh, I want those who are working, who are running our health services uh, to deliver their responsibilities in the way that I am expected to do. And I know a lot of work is going on to do that at the moment. Uh, But the idea that I can make a decision in relation to the allocation of health and not come back to us until this time a year ago, uh, that won't work. I'll continue to be involved in how we fund our health service. We are putting a lot of money into us. Uh, I will need to continue to monitor and oversee how it's been done. Your message to those who think that it needs more money is what? You don't. You've got enough. Uh, uh, well, uh, anybody who's involved in the delivery of any public service in Ireland at the moment uh, makes the case to me that more money is needed in us. So that the health services are not alone in making the case for uh, more money being provided for the taxpayer to do us. But what I have to do, Kieran, and it just goes back to the point we touched on earlier on, is I ultimately have to make sure that the budget that we are doing is affordable and that we're able to repeat budgets like that, which is why I can't ever meet all of the needs that any part of our public service will at times even rightfully look for. Minister for Public Expenditure and Reform, Finnegale TD, Pascal Donoghue, Minister, thank you very much for joining us here on The Hard Shoulders. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.